G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And our privilege today to glean some insights into developments in the Australian church really over the past 50 odd years with one of those leaders who has helped to take the Christian church in Australia to a new level in that time. Pastor Andrew Evans, he's a Pentecostal Christian pastor in the Australian Christian churches. He's also a former politician in the South Australian Legislative Council. He was notably pastor of the then Paradise Community Church. These days it's called Influencers Church, and he was at the helm for 30-odd years. It was one of the earliest Pentecostal mega-churches. And Andrew Evans was also co-founder of the conservative Family First political party. Well, there are a lot of dimensions to Andrew Evans, and now a new biography has been released with insights into a significant life and contribution to Christianity in Australia. So uh, I want to make a special welcome today to uh, Pastor Andrew Evans. Andrew, welcome along. Thank you, Neil. Lovely to be here. Andrew, uh, we are talking a long life. Uh, how old are you these days? Uh, what's your uh, birthday? I'm your... 82 on Saturday, so I'm old. And we're talking about a, a Christian walk that goes uh, quite a long... 60 years. 60 years. Yes. Okay, 60 years as a Christian believer, and uh, you've, in some respects, and I know you're humble about these things, but some people will say you sort of scaled the heights, uh, built a big church, uh, served as a missionary on the mission field. You were the leader of your denomination. Uh, you were, went into politics, had a political career. There's an awful lot that has gone into that 60 years. Yeah, it's amazing. I never expected anything like that. I was uh, I, I was a Christian before, but the last 60 years when I really got moving and I had a revelation of Jesus Christ and uh, that set me on a full-on road to take the gospel around the world. Now, you didn't have any special plan yourself to write an autobiography, but uh, as it happens, a new biography has been released uh, tell us about that journey, because it was a bit of a process. Yeah, look, I'm not a writer, and uh, I didn't know whether people would be that interested in my story. But people kept asking me, and uh, I said to God, well, you've got to bring someone to me. I can't write. And uh, the day I said that quite loudly to myself in prayer, uh, a car came and picked me up, took me to church, and that writer came up to me straight after church and said, I'm available. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those, it was a God incident. You knew that uh, something was going to be coming because uh, that opportunity arose. And, of course, there's been a, a process and a number of people have been involved in actually getting this biography together. Yeah, it looked as if it was going to die for a while. I mean, he shifted jobs. My wife got desperately sick and I put all my time into her and it dropped, and then it was raised again by Kevin Forlong when I was on a tour of New Zealand. And uh, then 
there was change happened there too, and then it was picked up again by Denise Austin, and she's done a fantastic job. I'm really grateful to her. Uh, Denise Austin has written a number of biographies, and she has a great turn of phrase, and her ability to capture a life in print uh, is quite exceptional. And uh, we'll tell our listeners how they can get a hold of a copy of your biography very shortly and as we continue our conversation through the hour. Uh, Andrew Evans, take us back to some of those early days as... Uh, you mentioned uh, you were aged, what, 16 when you came to Christ or in, uh, in your early years? Tell us no, about... Uh... Uh, look, I was born in a Pentecostal home. My okay. father, were parents, my mother went to India as a missionary when she was 21. A single lady. <laughs> Met my dad, who was a Welshman in India. He was a missionary there. He got saved at 17 by a miracle, really. Uh, one of the great evangelists, Stephen Jeffries, who... Was had one of those amazing healing gifts. Came to his town. My dad went along, sat the back seat. The preacher preached and uh, gave an altar call. He never moved. He finished, closed the meeting, then felt inspired to go up and talk to my dad. And he said, young man, are you saved? And he said, no, but I want to be. And that started the Evans <laughs> destiny. <laughs> and and an exciting one it is, and we may get into some more of the details yeah. about that. But interestingly, when you say you were born into a Pentecostal home, yeah, uh, because sixty years ago, uh, or uh, we're talking eighty-two years ago, uh, Pentecostals were a little bit different to what was typically seen on the landscape in Australian Christian society. <clears throat> How do you reflect on uh, early years being a Pentecostal and then, uh, you know, discovering others perhaps in the playground who were uh, <laughs> from the what was then the Church of England or the Presbyterians or the Methodists? Or, uh, how did you fit in as a Pentecostal in those early years? Well, we were living in India and the only school around was Anglican school. So I went to an Anglican school and uh, I just accepted how we were different. You know, I was banned from going to movies and banned from some of those other things that the other kids enjoyed. But I just thought, oh, well, that's our lot in life. And I, I just was relaxed about it, never bothered me too much. Uh, then when I came back to Australia, I found uh, more of a opposition there. I remember standing in an open-air meeting of one of the uh, campaigner groups, and they said, who are you? And I said, well... I go to the Assemblies of God. And immediately I felt the walls go up and I thought, hello, we're, we're different here. Yep. <laughs> but um, there's been a massive change in the world for the good on uh, churches and their getting together and fellowshipping together. I know some listeners will be very interested in your insights about early years like that because when you say I was growing up in a family where we were banned from going to the movies and uh, <laughs> there were a lot of things that you weren't allowed to do growing up in a Pentecostal family because early Pentecostal churches, and perhaps it is still similar today, but there was a holiness movement yeah. in Pentecostal churches in those early years. How do you reflect on the holiness movement that you grew up with and what you might see today in, in Pentecostal church society? I, I think uh, the, the Pentecostal church, they were born in revival, had amazing signs and wonders and miracles, but they lost it through legalism. 
and the message tended to be come here part and be separate, touch not the unclean thing. And instead of a positive message of the power of Christ, it was a constant negative message. And uh, fear was there. I, at school, I was afraid to play cricket because I thought someone might see me from the church and, and I'd look around and if there was, I'd somehow nick off to the toilet or somewhere. So it's it's a bad way to... We lost something by legalism. And uh, I said to my mother, who was a wonderful person, I said, you know, Mum, you had a revival, you had power, you had fantastic move of God, but you killed it with legalism. And I think we've come back to the center now where we do have the holiness. That's all important without the legalism. You have biblical holiness, not man's holiness. When we talk about this idea of grace, uh, is that something that has grown in maturity in Pentecostal churches over this past 50, 60 years? Uh, because it's really this teaching about grace that that is the antidote for some of the legalisms that come with uh, that sort of heaviness of holiness. Yeah, look, there was the early Pentecostals had a message of grace, but they, they lost it. I mean... Uh, many of them were out of the Brethren P group who believed eternal security, and uh, many Pentecostals came out of that, but they lost it through their legalism. But uh, the next generation saw the f- the folly of it, some of it. I mean, to go to a cricket match, to my mother was like as if I was committing some massive sin. And uh, we began to see that that wasn't the way of all. You know, my father, in fact, woke up one day. He said uh, there was a lady who was amazingly healed in our Roberts' meetings. Uh, she had a, a, a leg badly uh, damaged, and it was a massive healing. And she came around all the churches telling a story, and she had makeup on. And he said, well, God doesn't seem to be too worried about the makeup. We are, but he isn't. (laughs) So when you reflect on these things today, Andrew Evans, and young people who are growing up in church life, uh, there's oftentimes a call for uh, holiness, uh, but holiness is not necessarily legalistic. No. Uh, how do you, when you're talking to groups, uh, when you because you, you're still an active preacher yeah. these days, uh, how do you talk to young people and say, you know, I've been there and I've done that and I've seen some extremes here? As you're trying to plot a, uh, <laughs> a pathway to living a successful Christian life, uh, this is what you need to be aware of. I just say to them, look, what the Bible condemns, we don't do. If the Bible, if the Bible infers something that we shouldn't do, like it doesn't say we shouldn't smoke, but there are, uh, it infers it that we should keep the temple of God, our body, clean. And so the things that the Bible says we don't do, or the things the Bible infers we don't do, or if by doing something we're going to be a stumbling block to a weaker brother, we don't do it. But that's a great field which we can do many, many things without going over that line. And those things aren't going to save us from heaven or hell. Um, It's going to help us in our relationship with the Lord, how we walk with him. But after all, it's by faith we get to heaven. And that's where I'm walking. And by faith, we find that way as you believe in Jesus Christ. He's the only way. He's done it all. There's nothing more for us to do. 
you'll find heaven waiting for you. Because the temptation, isn't it, uh, is to try and uh, identify what the rules are and then try to enforce the rules somehow rather in church. But when we have this message of grace, uh, it's all about the individual and their heart. Uh, so uh, so it's this following of Christ uh, isn't necessarily like then following the set of rules, but no. this following of Christ is because an, in, an individual wants to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of him. That's right. The early Christian church, when they faced with this problem, uh, had just a couple of things they brought up, actually four. Two of them don't apply today. But they talked about immorality, and that was very clear a no-no in the church. And I think there's great wisdom in that. Um, it does so much damage. But even if we do have that problem, there's grace for us. And I've seen so many people have messed their lives up, come back and find total forgiveness, and it's all behind them forever. And so just follow the word and your conscience, which God has given you a conscience, and you'll see that you'll walk with him. So born in India, uh, missionary parents, uh, you served yourself as a missionary in Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about those years. Well, Papua New Guinea was uh, in the early part of my ministry. Um, they were having a revival. I had missionary desires in my life. And the national executive asked me to come and would I go to New Guinea? And I said, yeah, I'll go for one year. Uh, what had happened, one of their senior missionaries had died and they were getting hundreds and hundreds of people joining. And so they asked me to go there. I stayed for seven. I loved it. It was a great, wonderful time to be in New Guinea. Things were happening. And uh, I just loved New Guinea. It was a beautiful place. And I wouldn't have left, but only... I was directed very clearly by the Lord and also with my wife's health to that. That caused it to speed up. Interesting to get your reflection on being a missionary because there are still many people groups around the world where you'll have to set aside some of your luxury lifestyle as we have in Australia to go and live in a developing world con uh, context. But what is it that when you say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go there for a year, but uh, but when you got there, you realised you really wanted to stay. And uh, sometimes people reflect on the idea of falling love, in love with the people. How do you reflect on uh, on missions and missionaries and, and actually loving the people that they're called to serve? Well, it was very primitive, of course. I think I got three dollars or three pound a week. <laughs> we lived in in house. It was thatch roof, and uh, you had a toilet outside the back, and <laughs> all those very primitive things. But despite that, despite that, you, you were comfortable. You made your way comfortable. You made your house night and nice and tidy, and it was just the joy of serving. I mean. When you serve Jesus Christ, there's joy in it. And it doesn't matter where you go, there's grace for every situation. And um, I just love my time there. I had never complained about it. We were primitive. We had to walk through rivers. We had to uh, live on a very meager salary. But that didn't come into it. We just were so thrilled and filled with joy in serving. And that's how the ministry for Jesus Christ is. When you serve him, there's massive joy. 
And in those years too, when you talk about uh, going through rivers, uh, well, crocodiles in those rivers in Papua New Guinea and uh, and mosquitoes that carry uh, deadly diseases. <laughs> I mean, these sorts of things are a part of counting the cost, I imagine, when you uh, set your sights on missionary endeavour because there will be some of those things. But how do you balance the rewards with some of the risks that you might take in mission? Well, when you're young, you don't even think about the risks. <laughs> you just, just drive in. There's snakes everywhere. And, and the thing that causes us to come home eventually was uh, a snake came in our bedroom. And my wife, was she was sick with hepatitis. And a python came in after rats in the roof. These are thatch roof places. And you'd hear these rats in the roof. And the python came in there. And three o'clock in the morning, she heard this noise and she screamed, look out, there's a snake. And there above the door was this six foot <laughs> python with his head up. And so I didn't know what, I grabbed a chair, just a steel chair there and slammed it and killed it and smashed the chair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And so when you put up with some of those things and, and as you say, you sort of take them in your stride yeah. and uh, you're not even thinking of the dangers. No. Uh, but the rewards on the other side of that, as you were indicating too, this was a tremendous growth time. Uh, in the churches in Papua New Guinea. And so you were seeing people added to the church every week. Yeah, look, it was, you'd get so many. I mean, I'd go out to a village. I'd walk, I'd walk out to a village. I'd preach the gospel and you put, preach a very direct message. You know, there's two roads, heaven or hell. Which one do you want to go on? And you present the gospel and almost the whole village would come, put their hand up and so you'd pray for them. Then the next night it'd be similar. And some nights I'd think, oh, I hope there's not too many tonight. And then I'd say, oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you were trying to moderate how, how people are responding to Christ. Yeah. Wow. No, it was just a, a harvest time that went on for years and years, still going on, where you think in that country there's something like 300,000 in our movement alone with 3,000 churches. So God's nightly moved, and we were in the early part of that. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, we're reflecting on the past 50 years or more. In fact, uh, we're reflecting in some sense on 82 years of a life. Pastor Andrew Evans is our guest. A new biography just been released about his life. Uh, we've been talking about his uh, early years, missionary endeavors to Papua New Guinea. And of course, as uh, pastor of one of the early Pentecostal mega churches in the city of Adelaide, uh, when you came back to Australia, Andrew, you settled in Adelaide. Adelaide, and uh, yes. you began to start church. Uh, what was the uh, what was things like there at the beginning of of uh, of course the Paradise Church, which was a, a very significant church in the life of uh, Pentecostal churches in Australia. Reflect on those early years and uh, okay. how difficult it was. When I first got back to Adelaide, uh, Paradise Church was the third largest Pentecostal church. It was called Clemsig then in Australia. Um, and it had 200 people. So that gives you an idea how things have changed. Um, the pastor that who I replaced was a brilliant pastor, outstanding leader. And I had just come back from New Guinea and my wife was sick and it was going to be tough. 
I found the first year I lost a quarter of my congregation. So we were down to 150. And I began to try everything to make it happen. So I had a visitation program. Nothing happened. I brought in an evangelist, I thought, who was going to have great signs and wonders. Um, he looked at the sign above the church, which says, come and see the blind eyes open, the lame walk. He said, you got the wrong man. I said, why? He said, I'm just a teacher. I said, no. I said, you raised someone from the dead. No, I didn't. He said, that was a rumor. He said, a lady fainted in church, and I went and prayed. <laughs> and she, so uh, going to bed that night, I was most disappointed. We were Our numbers were dropping, and I brought this guy to, to turn the thing around, and the Spirit just spoke to me and said, I've sent him here to give you the keys. And... He stayed with us for three weeks, and I listened very carefully, and he gave me some of those 12 keys. The two that were stood out at that time, or three, one was prayer. His wife was actually given six months to live. She had a melanoma, and they were in praying, and they were claiming the promises. By the way, she only died two years ago. <laughs> he <Okay>. died before. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a real miracle there, isn't there? <laughs> it certainly was. The other one that he gave me was the key of faith, how faith works. And the third key he gave me was the key of spiritual authority, how you can take authority over the evil powers that would destroy and control your church all your life and get victory in those situations. And we began to do that, and we saw the slide stop and then gradually began to see growth. And uh, the first Sunday, for instance, we had a, a day of prayer and fasting, just me and two, uh, one other gentleman. And uh, on Sunday, I got to church, and the Lord said to me, right at the beginning, give an altar call. And I, I resisted that, and I said, well, we're in the beginning of the meeting. And he said, give it now. Finally, a guy got up the back seat and walked in the front, knelt on the front. I said, okay, I understand you want to give this. So I opened the altar call. This is the day after we prayed and fasted all day. And I said, well, look, folk, there's this brother was a need. Anyone want to join him? Half the church came out, and they were crying and weeping. And I thought, goodness me, we've hit something. We've <laughs> <laughs> hit a nerve there. <laughs> so... That was one of the keys we introduced, regular praying and fasting, spiritual authority, power over evil, and many others. We've got 12 of them. And those 12 keys form something of a framework uh, in which uh, Denise Austin has used in the formation of your biography. So uh, for people who are thinking of getting a hold of this biography now, no doubt there'll be some inspiration here uh, when you talk about 12 keys, uh, 12 keys that will actually uh, help your church to grow. Do those 12 keys, do they, do they date? Uh, do they, you know, well, that one's, uh, that one's past its shelf life. Well, these 12 keys, will they still work today? Absolutely. Look, these 12 keys, I, I say to you, the way Denise put them in the book, it highlighted to me, if you want to bless life, if you really want to be a fruitful person, if you want your church to grow, you put these keys into practice and stick with them, and you will be amazed at the end of the journey how blessed you've been. It's not only for pastors, it's for ordinary Christians who want to have a blessed life. They're very simple keys, but if you put them into practice, you'll find they'll work for you. They'll help you in the good times, and they'll help you in the bad times. 
They're keys for how to get through crisis situations, how to handle the fiery trial that comes upon every person, how to get through grief, all those things, and it gives you a blessed life. And at the end of the journey, you'll say, God has blessed my life amazingly. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Jack is in Tasmania. Hello, Jack. Welcome along. Yes. Hello, Jack. Yes. Are you with us? I am. Ah, it sounds like a Jack Sonneman, Jack, to me. Uh, it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> Jack, well, uh, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts? We've got uh, we've got our special guest, Andrew Evans, here. No I doubt know, you're I reflecting yes, on some the past. The man is, is, is wonderful. He had me screen Dr. James Dobson's interview with Ted Bundy <laughs> on the massive screen at Paradise. And then I was going to preach a message after it. And right after we screened the, the video, the power in Adelaide went out. The, <laughs> the, the arena was dark. Thousands of people in the church, total, no electricity, no light. They had me preach my sermon in the dark with a megaphone. And I just wonder if Andrew would remember that. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> and uh, it, it had a dynamic impact. And there were some uh, reporters there who said how their eyes were opened as to the the problems of pornography. With pornography. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, you recognize that very early on, Andrew, and you don't know what an impact you had uh, on my ministry and encouraging me to continue in this fight, because I tell you what, it has been a fight, especially here in Australia, where the men certainly love their porn. Yeah, look, and the problem with the church is uh, the message we preach is good news. But we've also got to resist evil. It's not just a one-way thing. You preach the gospel, you present it clearly, but you've also got to resist evil. And some of the things that are happening in our society will destroy our families and our children. Yes. Okay, Jack Sonneman, thanks so much for your input today. And uh, just to mention, uh, talking with Jack a little later on after Focus on the Family because uh, we'll be talking about some changes to uh, prostitution laws in South Australia and some insights uh, from Jack Sonneman coming up then. Jack, of course, uh, leads the Australian Federation for the Family. Jack, thanks so much for calling in and uh, putting your two bobs worth in for our conversation today. Uh, Andrew Evans is our guest. We're reflecting on early years. Uh, in fact, a lot of different dimensions in our conversation today and we're just about a minute away from the news, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Paradise grew very, very significantly from those 200 that reduced down to 150 in the early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's grown significantly over the years. How's How the numbers look today that, uh, that you're aware of? Well, I see in the advertiser, the local paper, they put an article on Paradise just this week, and they said there was 8,000. Okay, the church has grown to 8,000. These days, of course, it's not known as the Paradise Community Church. It's the Influencers Church. Church, Now, you will be aware that the new chapter or the latest chapter for Family First is in its merger with the Australian Conservatives under the leadership of Corey Bernardi. Let's get a, a few insights about the latest developments and uh, when you heard the news or were aware of the negotiations, Andrew Evans, that uh, this uh, baby of yours, the Family First uh, political party, mm-hmm. uh, was going to be entering in a new chapter and there was going to be a merger with uh, Cory Bernardi's uh, Australian Conservatives. How did you feel in that moment when you thought uh, there might be change here that may be good, maybe not? 
Uh, Dennis Hood, who's a leader in South Australia, have kept me in touch right from the beginning. Um, my reaction immediately was it's going to strengthen our cause. If we join with Corey, that will strengthen our cause, our conservative Christian cause. Um, I met with Corey and my son met with him before any announcements, before any changes were considered. And Dennis had very clearly said, if we, Andrew and Ashley doesn't agree, we won't go for it. So it was very open to discussion. I talked frankly with Corey about some of the issues. How do you keep certain people out from the party? Because so often they uh, creep in and they bring their ideologies with them. And he had the same plan as I had, exactly the same. Um, the reason he went was the same reason I started a party. I've always been a liberal supporter because of the moral issues. Labor had some very good moral people, I might add to that as well. But generally, I'd been a, a Menzies supporter. But as we got into the year 2000, they tend to be slipping away from that moral compass that they'd had for years and years and years. And so I put my hand up and started Family First Party. Uh, Corey left the Liberals for exactly the same reason. He was seeing even a further drift than I'd seen and they'd even gone further to the left to try and appease the left element in society and the result of that was that he started. So I had no problem joining him. It was a great joy to join him. I encouraged. In fact, last week I was at the last meeting of the AGM for the Family First Party in South Australia. Corey was there. I was there. And we had a whole time of questioning and answers from the members. Then they were given a secret ballot. And it was unanimous. So that was a good good victory. And as you say, there is a common cause. Yes. Uh, but any time you marry two separate organisations together, there are going to be details that will need to be looked at. Uh, but, but ultimately, uh, it is a significant development for this level of conservatism is in politics because uh, because the addition of Family First into the Australian Conservatives clearly uh, gives a very, very large and stable and growing uh, party foundation for what will happen into the future. Yes, it will. And as you look back at the history of it, um, Corey was always a friend of Family First. When Dennis got first elected in 2006, the first phone call he got to congratulate him was Corey from the Liberal Party. We used to say to Corey, don't leave the Liberals, stay there. You're a voice for conservatism in the Liberal Party. But eventually found exactly what I'd seen. The power was, the drift was so much that it was worth, worth, it couldn't work. They wouldn't listen to you. They push you aside. And so he made the move. And we've been able to uh, take our infrastructure. We've got people on the ground everywhere in Australia. For instance, he was surprised to find that we'd run 150 candidates for at least two, maybe three federal elections across the nation. And so we've got the infrastructure and we've got the, the champions in Adelaide who, who uh, lift our votes, but we needed somebody in Canberra with that front and that approach and uh, that insight 
and already we're seeing amazing people drawing to our pathway. So Pastor Andrew Evans as co-founder of Family First and now a new chapter for Family First alongside a merger with the Australian Conservatives. Uh, We might be a year or a year and a half, perhaps two years out from another federal election. Uh, what are your predictions for the future of uh, of the new party in the sense of uh, the merged Australian Conservatives and Family First? Uh, because as you describe, uh, an infrastructure in place now which gives this new movement uh, real impetus. What are your, yeah. your predictions for the future? Well, just Corey's first, first of all going very carefully and, and not rushing into it. He's analysing everything and... The arrangement is him and Dennis Hood work together to build the party, the new party. And um, looking at South Australia, I believe we'll get possibly two at the next state election in the upper house. If we get those two, we'll hold the balance of power in the upper house by ourselves. We won't have to rely on someone else. Um, also, I'm sure Corey will get another person up at the next federal election in South Australia. However, there is momentum growing elsewhere, and he's just feeling the waters. He's not rushing anything, but depending how the momentum goes, in Queensland, for instance, the brethren here want to want him to run the state election, and he's not so sure about that. And I said to the guys here, well, look, present Present to him what's going on. Present what you're achieving. Present a case why he should run candidates in the state election without no upper house. So we're in a transition phase. South Australia is locked down. I hear Victoria now is uh, getting registration. Uh, in, in the other states, we've got hundreds of people in our database. So as we build the thing, You'll be amazed where it'll take us. You said there's real support that has come with the merger of the two parties. Has there been, uh, for some within Family First, who who thought, well, hang on a second, this is not what I signed up for. Has there been any sort of uh, backlash? Not everybody surely would be absolutely happy with everything the way it's gone. Is is there anything that you can reflect on as that uh, that there might be some that uh, that maybe not as happy as as, as everyone else? Uh, look, we informed everybody of the plan. We informed them of the reactions, the steps, how it was all. We went through it very clearly. They all were given total information. I had one rejection. The rest were very supportive. And not only, not only family first people, but the political uh, commentators. Uh, one of the commentators in Adelaide, he said, now you've at least tripled your vote. Um, so, you know, the, the news is good news so far. And it must be heartening and to reflect on what's just happened in the British elections mm-hmm. uh, where the Conservatives lost their majority. So the Tories uh, lost their majority but uh, are likely to form some form of coalition with what is known as the Democratic Unionists Party. And uh, some people have been very surprised that, hang on, that party looks a little bit like Family first. <laughs> Started <laughs> because by Paisley. <laughs> Paisley, the Reverend Ian Paisley. Paisley. And and so, interestingly, uh, if you look for the hand of God in the way that he directs uh, levels of political influence, uh, that that may actually be something of a, 
uh, a forerunner to what we might see in the years to come. Oh, we'd love that <laughs> if we were able to hold, if we were able to go in coalition with another conservative group, particularly the Liberals. Um, that'd be fantastic because then you can point out to them the views of the conservatives, so they fully understand how uh, how they how it's going to damage their own self if they pursue down a left wing line, and. You know, what's wrong with, with, uh, Christian values? What's wrong with judo Christian values? Our whole society is built on that. It's, it's a better way to go. The left wing approach is not the way to go. It is an actually disaster. And uh, it's better to go the old fashioned way and see stability and strength. You've been concerned about the way that conservative parties have been moving to the left. Uh, softening positions on what were significant moral positions on a whole lot of different issues. Uh, What are your uh, thoughts, concerns, uh, even uh, your advice that you might give to conservative politicians or people who might be aspiring to a political career uh, to actually be a little bit more tight on uh, your values of conservatism? Well, I say to the politicians, do your research. If you do your research, you won't go down the euthanasia road. You won't go down the gay marriage road. If you do research around the world where they've already happening for years and you see what big failures this left tactic is, it's total failure. And, for instance, I'll give you an example. Euthanasia. You got this Andrew Denton pushing euthanasia. You got uh, Darren Hinch pushing euthanasia. Well, do your research. Go to Holland. Look at it like I did. Look at the government stats. Look at the facts, and you'll find when you do research, they they euthanize a thousand people on average on their stats a year without their consent. That's murder. A hundred children euthanized without their parents' consent. That's what the research says. Look at gay marriage. Okay, you go over to Holland and you look at it. What they've had it for years. The government stats from Holland says that a gay marriage lasts eighteen months. Do we want that? Now, some of the when I've talked this on media and Australian mainline media, they said, "Oh well, you know, it happens in the heterosexual sections." I said, "Not eighteen months. The average is about ten years." So politicians listening to me, do your research. Look at, look, do your research properly on this climate change. Look at all those issues. Don't just, uh, go in there and just accept everything that's said. Do full-time research and you'll be surprised how the conservative approach is the best. Andrew Evans, reflecting on your early years serving as a missionary. Uh, returning to Australia and taking over the reins of a church uh, that was just 150 strong at one point, growing then to what is a church today, 8,000, co-founder of the Family First Political Party, which I'm sure uh, came with a bunch of criticisms because sometimes people within Christian church believe that somehow rather the minister ought not to be political from the pulpit. Uh, or that the minister ought not to be encouraging uh, political views to be uh, to be so widely uh, 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 disseminated because some people might get offended. Uh, what are your thoughts on Christian people and an aspiration to a political career 
and uh, taking their values with them into Parliament. What are your thoughts? Well, if we don't do it, everyone else is. You know, the, the gay lobby are pushing their line, um, the euthanasia are pushing their line, and so if we do nothing, they'll get their way. And our church in paradise never had problems with me going in, uh, mainly because for years and years and years I'd been telling them to be politically active on the bad stuff. For instance, um, I was up here on the Gold Coast on holidays and I turned on the radio on the TV and they said South Australia is going to introduce, uh, make it legal for drugs, um, for what's that drug? Uh, 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 marijuana. 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 And I remember saying to myself, oh, Lord, what next? I feel helpless. I can't do anything. I got in the lift, and as I was from the bottom of the lift till I got to the bottom, I had my answer. The Holy Spirit spoke into my heart. He said, whenever the government bring up some of these crazy, bad biblical bills, he said, get your people to write to the pollies and mobilize it, but don't mention you're a Christian don't mention you belong to church. Don't quote the Bible. Just say to them you're a concerned citizen. And as your member, you don't want them to vote for that issue on marijuana, gays, or whatever it is. You know, I began to then mobilize other churches. Finally, we had a massive group. And you don't jump out on everything. On the minor things, forget it. They're nothing. But there are some major things that affect us. And you mobilize the people, and every time I did that, it was knocked out. And so get active. My church was used to it, but they knew that I'd only be active on the rare occasions. My whole message was Jesus is the Savior of the world. He loves you. He's a healer. He's a miracle worker, full of grace. But from time to time, you have to come out. And Jesus came out strongly. He didn't sit around. He told the Pharisees exactly where they were wrong. And we need to stand up to save our nation. We have to be salt and light. And I guess when you talk about being partisan, uh, and while typically uh, those uh, Christian values carry uh, to a more conservative side, you're not really singling out one side or another. You're actually saying, as a Christian, uh, I'm not being so partisan because I'll speak up against <laughs> evil wherever evil is presenting itself. How do you talk about uh, you know the way that uh, the the Christian values that we hold uh, speak into both sides of politics? Look, there are many people on both sides that hold my values. Uh, I know certain politicians in prominent positions today that tell me they'll never cross the line for gay marriage. They said, we'll leave the party rather than do that. And so, look, there are many good Labour people and Liberal people out there. What I say to my church is you write to them, not mentioning your church, but at election time, we simply say, Vote for Christians. Any party you like, vote for Christians because they will help to keep us on the track of conservative, biblical, Judo, Christian values. And we do it not because we want to win an election. We do it for our country. It's the thing that can save our country. It's the best part to follow. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 
Our special guest this hour has been Pastor Andrew Evans. We've been talking about a new biography. It uh, tells the story of a significant life. Uh, it's summed up uh, in in a framework of talking about 12 keys to a blessed life. We've been talking about missionary endeavor. We've been talking about the growth of a mega church. We've been talking about the formation of the Family First Political Party, the new chapter that's coming when it comes uh, to the uh, to the merger with the Australian Conservatives. And uh, Andrew Evans, uh, at age eighty-two, uh, you're not—you're not actually slowing down too much. Uh, you're still available for people to, you know, if they, if they want a, a preacher to come and uh, and be a, a preacher at their church, you're available. Yeah, I'm happy to come. Look, I've been fairly flat out. I've been in Western Australia, South Australia, Canberra, Sydney, and Brisbane in the last month, so I'm, I'm fairly busy. But I've still got available opportunities. I don't charge. I'm happy to come and just share the word and uh, trust you enjoy it. Uh, no doubt you'll be popular when you're visiting Australian Christian churches because that's the denomination from Assemblies of God, Australian Christian churches. Uh, you're something of a, a father of the movement in that sense. But what about others? Uh, maybe you're not a, a, a member of the Australian Christian churches. Do you, do you speak across denominations? Every time, yes. I've spoken on all kinds of churches, Baptist churches, Anglican churches, Lutheran churches, and uh, have an open door. Okay, let's come back to the book. It is available, as I mentioned, uh, going to the Alpha Crucius College website, uh, able to download that book for just $3.50, and then Amazon and Kurong, $15. These 12 steps, uh, these 12 keys, uh, mm. they are an important uh, framework for what your life story is about. Uh, just quickly, uh, just to recap for us, why uh, those 12 keys are going to be important for individual lives as well as for churches. Well, in those 12 keys are biblical principles. And we read in Psalm 1 that if we follow the word and meditate it, you will prosper. And if you follow God's principles, you will have a fantastic life. You'll have one or two fiery trials. That's part of the journey. But he says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials, but what it teaches you how not to mess up in the fiery trial, but how to come through and win on the other side. And so uh, I'm sure it'll be a blessing to you if you read it. I'm grateful to the Lord for his love to me over those many years, and I give him all the praise and all the glory for it. Andrew Evans uh, will join in giving God praise and glory for the way you've served uh, over these many years. And uh, I want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for taking some time to just share your thoughts and insights with us today on 2020, uh, pointing our listeners to the Alpha Crucius College website. Of course, Alpha Crucius College is the name of the National College of the Australian Christian Churches. If you Google Alpha Crucius College, uh, you'll be able to uh, go to that website. Uh, you'll find a link there where you can download a copy of this biography for just $3.50. Uh, alternatively, look for the book in Amazon or at Kurong. It'll cost you $15 at those uh, outlets. Uh, Andrew Evans, thank you so much for taking some time to share your heart with us today on 2020. <laughs> thanks, Neil. Appreciate you being Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.